You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us this week for another episode. Um, If you are joining us, you're listening to what I believe is the best uh, Bible commentary, Bible study, Bible conversation podcast that's available. Um, I'm here again with my my dad, uh, Reverend, uh, Dr. Reverend uh, Reggie Parker, and so thanks for coming, Dad, to this one. Um, we want to encourage you, if you have not done so already, that you please subscribe to our episodes. Uh, you can do that by going to any of the, the um, apps uh, that uh, or anywhere you get your podcast content and hitting the subscribe button. That will ensure that you're getting all of our episodes. Uh, we also encourage you to follow us on our social media page. Right now, most of everything that we have is on our Facebook page. You can find that at bonefireministries at gmail.com. That's a great place to go to, to actually see the episodes are actually posted there as well. And that would give you an opportunity. You can put a comment on an episode. If you want to join the conversation and, and strike up conversation with other listeners, that would be a great place to do that. We also monitor that and would love to have uh, be a part of that conversation with you. So encourage you to connect with us there. Well, Dad, um, a couple weeks ago we had a shout-out, and I want to do another one uh, mm-hmm. this week for another listener. And uh, this is probably one of the furthest away listeners that we've got. Uh, we received a, a note from Reverend Rapaka, and he is the pastor of Gospel Evangelical Church in India. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Reverend uh, Rapaka, we just want to say thank you for listening uh, to the Bonefire Podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you. And I would ask all of our listeners, as you're having your, your daily quiet time, please remember Reverend Rapaka, uh, Rapaka and his, his ministry in India. Um, he, he's working with orphanages uh, and some orphans out there, uh, working with widows, and then, of course, preaching the gospel. And so um, he's got some needs that, that need to be met there. So just remember him in prayer as you're you're um, having your, your daily quiet time. We'd encourage you, uh, if you haven't done so, please send us an email. We'd love to hear from our other listeners. I'd love to, to meet you and, and to know a little bit about you. And then we can do a, a shout out here uh, right on that episode uh, to, to have that uh, broadcasted out to everyone. Well, Dad, I got some exciting news. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, COVID has shut down just about everything, right? Um, and events have been canceled, but we do have a live event that's going to be coming up that I want to share with our listeners. And so um, this is the Holston Creek Cross Country 5K. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a race that's put on uh, by our church, uh, Holston Creek Baptist Church in Emmons, South Carolina. It's a real neat race. It's a 5K race. It's for all ages. Um, I like to call it a, a run, walk, and even crawl mm-hmm. uh, race because uh, really anybody can come and get involved um, in the race. And um, it's located uh, or will be held on March 27th at 9 a.m., and that will be at the Holston Creek Park in Emmons, South Carolina. And uh, I'll give you a little bit more details about this, but Dad, tell them the, the interesting part about how this race ends because you've done it once before. That's exactly right. And once you get towards the end of the race, you will receive a two-by-four, and you place that on your shoulders, and you actually run, or in in my case, walk fast to the very end of the race, carrying that two-by-four across your back. And that reminds you that Jesus, when he was exhausted, give out, tired, he carried his own cross down the Via Della Rosa, a street 
in Jerusalem all the way out to where he was crucified. He carried that cross. And you know, that cross also makes us think about the weight of our sin that he carried. And so when we carry that two by four, it reminds us of what Jesus did for us. And then when we get to the very conclusion of the race, then we can place that cross down And I think about how we lay our burdens down, we lay that cross down or that that two-by-four, and then we have an opportunity to write something on that two-by-four. It might be an inspirational verse uh, that would encourage other people, our favorite verse of Scripture. It might be uh, something that's just between us and God uh, that we're laying down uh, before God. We're giving up for God. It is a real moving thing. Uh, uh, certainly, we get good exercise in doing it, have great Christian fellowship and being with other Christians, but I like the way that race ends. It's different from any other race that you'll be in because it puts you in the mindset of what Jesus did for you. Yeah, it's a real real neat uh, way that this is put on. And and for those of you who are runners or, or, or have been doing 5Ks or, or 10Ks or even half marathons, uh, you know, a lot of those races have been canceled this year due to COVID, and there's been virtual racing. Um, now, that I, I'm not much of a runner, but I can promise you I don't want to be in a virtual race. That just seems odd, uh, where you, you basically run by yourself and you just submit your time online, and then they send you a T-shirt and say, congratulations for running. Right, um, yeah. and so this is a live event. So I know a lot of runners are out there looking for live events. Um, even if you're not a runner, this is a great, um, easy way to get out and get some exercise. Hopefully we'll have great weather. Um, the cost for the event is relatively low. It's $25 to entry. Uh, for each entry. Um, With each entry, you do get um, a free pair of race socks that will come with that. Uh, So that's pretty cool uh, that you'll be able to get that. Um, And then uh, I guess the other exciting thing about this, Dad, is uh, we are going to be sponsoring uh, the race. So Bonfire Ministries will be sponsoring. Uh, We'll be sponsoring with the Running With God podcast. And I mentioned that on an episode a couple weeks ago. I would encourage our listeners, if you haven't done so already, go check them out. Um, I think they're on most of the platforms now, so you can check out Running With God. Uh, podcast. And uh, last episode for them was running into the gospel. Uh, we're talking about how uh, we are called to share our faith with others around us. So it was a, a great, uh, great podcast. So I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, the other cool thing about this race is, uh, you know, we're going to be there. Uh, so we'll, we'll be there. We'll have um, uh, probably some giveaways and things like that that we'll be passing out. Uh, so we'd love to, to have an opportunity to meet you. If you live in the North Carolina area, the South Carolina area, Georgia, or even the edge of Tennessee, uh, you know, we're very easy to get to here in the kind of uh, north uh, west corner of the upstate. And so it's an easy drive uh, to come over and to enjoy uh, some time at um, um, at this race. Now, you probably want to know uh, where can you go to get more information? Well, you can do that in two ways. Uh, I'll have this uh, information on our Facebook page. So Bonfire Ministries Facebook page will be there. Uh, but you can register for the race at www.holstoncreekbaptistchurch.com slash run. Um, again, that's www.holstoncreekbaptist.com slash run. Uh, we'll give you the registration page. And another good news for you, if you use offer code BONEFIRE, that's one word, B-O-N-E-F-I-R-E, BONEFIRE, you will receive a 20% discount. And that code will be good until the end of February. So it'll end on uh, February 28th. Mm. So uh, go ahead and, and, and sign up. I encourage you to tell your friends and others about the 5K. It'll be a great time uh, to, to come around and get a little exercise and, and uh, just have a unique race experience. That's right. That's right. 
All right, Dad. Well, uh, this week we're going to be continuing um, our Coming King, the Lion of Judah uh, series. And uh, we've been in the series now for quite some time, focusing on the end times events. And we've been using the football game, American football game, as our analogy for the end times. And uh, we're getting late in the game, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for all of our listeners, if you've watched any amount of college football, you've seen this play out before, right? We get to the end of the third quarter, time is beginning to come off the clock, and as time expires in the third quarter, you'll see players begin to raise their hand with four fingers, and coaches raise their hands with four fingers, and even the audience or the the the, the people watching, which we don't have that now <laughs> because right. of COVID, but when we did, there would be people holding up four fingers, and that's signifying that we're entering into the fourth quarter and that it's time to really put everything out on the line. And, you know, Dad, for me, as I was preparing, I couldn't help but think you and I should be holding up four fingers right now. That's right. Uh, because we're going to be talking about the fourth quarter events uh, that lead up to the very end of time, right before the climactic end of the game, where Jesus comes back in all of his glory and all of his power. And so that's going to be our focus today is this fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to be looking specifically at the bowl judgments uh, that are described in Revelation chapter 15 and 16. Now, in this series, we've explained that God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth and its inhabitants in three sets of seven judgments. Mm -hmm. Now, we've covered the seven seals. We've covered the seven trumpets. And then the third and final judgment is the seven bowls, which will be what we're referring to today. With this final set of judgment, God's wrath is going to be completed. And we see this in Revelation 15.1. Let's read that together. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues, key word there, last, and for in them the wrath of God is complete. So these judgments will complete the entire wrath of God being poured out on the earth. And, you know, Dad, the, the trumpets have been bad. The seals were bad. But the bowls are going to be much worse than anything that we've seen That's right. coming out um, of, of God's wrath. And, you know, I know many of our listeners may be thinking, well, we've had almost three episodes now where we've been focused in on the wrath of God being poured out. Mm-hmm. And they may be struggling with that because, you know, God is love. God, mm-hmm. And that is true. God is love. But we, we have to remember God has been long-suffering. Right. Uh, that, that's something that we learn over in, uh, in Second Peter. I want to read Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some can count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You know, the fact that Jesus hasn't come back today is just a symbol of his long-suffering. He wants to give as much time as possible for people to have an opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond and to come to him. But at the same time, God's a just God, Mm -hmm. and he has to deal with sin. And and so his his, uh, wrath has been just accumulating against those who continue to defy him and reject his son. Even in the midst of God's judgment, Matt, one thing we have to keep in mind when we read Revelation, God also has mercy. He offers mercy. And we see this in the fact that in this last part of the tribulation, 
There is going to be the preaching of the gospel. Uh, There will be opportunity for people to be saved. Yes, they will be enduring uh, the judgments of God upon the earth, but because they will be offered salvation through Jesus Christ, they will not have to endure eternal judgment and separation from God. They'll have the opportunity to be saved. Now, mind you, the great, great, great majority of people will rebel against God, curse God, bother, fist up against God, but there will be some that will be humbled, that will respond to the preaching of the gospel. Now, you might be thinking today, how in the world is the gospel going to be preached? Because the church is going to be translated before the rapture begins, taken to heaven. Well, God is going to make sure that his word is going to go forth on this earth. As a matter of fact, I mentioned to you uh, last time we were in our podcast ministry that at one point during the tribulation, probably early on in the tribulation, that God is going to call forth 144,000 Jewish men who will be converted. They will probably have a conversion experience much like the Apostle Paul had when he was on the road to Damascus, you know, to persecute the Christians. You remember Jesus came to him and spoke to him. Well, I believe these 144,000 will have a traumatic conversion experience. They will be set aside like Apostle Paul's, and they will go forth around the world and preach the gospel during the tribulation. Now, no one will be able to kill these 144,000 evangelists, for God will set his seal of ownership and protection on their foreheads. However, they're going to be persecuted. Well, not only will they be preaching the gospel. But the Bible also tells us that in Revelation chapter 14, that at the midpoint or after the midpoint of the tribulation, God will send forth three angels with three different messages to proclaim to the world. And Revelation chapter 14 verses uh, 6 and 10 tells us about this. The first angel And his message is told about in verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. Did you get that? The everlasting gospel to preach Mm -hmm. to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. You know, our church, the church Matt and I attend, is a Southern Baptist church. We're a great commission church. Our our goal is to work together in cooperation with other churches to get the gospel around the world. Before Jesus returns at the end of the seven years of tribulation, the gospel will go around the world. We're working toward that today, missionaries even in other denominations. But one day, there's going to be an angel that's going to fly in the midst of heaven and proclaim the gospel to every nation, to every tribe and tongue. Now, for centuries, angels have wanted to get in on the act of world evangelization. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.12 that the angels are intensely interested in the whole story of redemption. They have been itching to preach the gospel. But God has given that privilege to us, to believers. Now at last, during the tribulation, the angels will have their chance. 
Verse 7 tells us that the angel will say with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Now, according to this verse included with the proclamation of one of the missionary angels is a command to worship the God of creation. Now, today the theory of evolution is taught as fact. Evolution is a teaching that man evolved over a period of millions and millions of years. This first angel will straighten out this mess. Verse 8 tells us that during the second half of the tribulation, another angel will follow the one who preaches the gospel, and he will proclaim, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon, as used here, represents both a false religious system and the headquarters for the one world government that the Antichrist will lead. Notice the angel says that Babylon has fallen twice. The false religious system, which is identified with Babylon, which in ancient times was noted for astrology and witchcraft, is overthrown when the Antichrist proclaims himself as God during the middle of the tribulation. You see, the Antichrist, as we told you earlier, uses religion to pull the people together. It's the opiate of the people to pull the people together during the beginning of the tribulation. Religion has been referred to, as I said, the opiate of the people. Now, once the false religious system accomplishes what he, the Antichrist, wants and pulls everyone together under him, which will happen during the middle of the tribulation, he will no longer need it, so he, along with the false prophet, will destroy it. Now, this is how Babylon falls the first time. The second falling happens at or near the end of the tribulation when the headquarters of the Antichrist is destroyed. The second angel that preaches during this second half of the tribulation tells of its destruction. The third angel that follows this second one is told about in Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That's Jesus. This angel's message is one of judgment. According to him, those who accept the mark of the Antichrist, which we talked about last time we were on our podcast, the trademark of the tribulation, according Uh, To this angel, those who accept this mark, this trademark of the Antichrist, will experience the wrath of God that will fall during the second half of the tribulation. We've already talked about the trumpet judgments. And following this, they will be assigned to hell where the smoke of their torment will ascend forever and ever. Folks, there's no end to hell. It lasts for eternity. Now, we're going to have the preaching of the gospel during the tribulation. There's going to be great persecution of those that accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but then there's going to be the pouring out of God's wrath. And as Matt has already said, we've already talked about the seal judgments. And then the last time we were on our podcast, the trumpet judgments, we're up to the bowl judgments tonight. And each series of judgments gets worse and worse and worse. 
That's exactly right, Dad. And, you know, as you were talking, I, I got to thinking about another set of Scripture that I wasn't planning to, to talk about today, but we're going to go ahead and jump into it. You talked about tribulation saints, and there's going to be tribulation saints. And, and mixed in between uh, the bold judgment text in chapter 15 and 16, we see a little bit about these tribulation saints. And so I want us to look at that really quick. It, this is John writing, uh, this is 15, verse 2. And it says, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over his number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And so, Dad, when you talk about tribulation saints, we have this kind of beautiful imagery here that John sees. Um, and this is tribulation saints. He's seeing people because it says they've had victory over the mark and the beast and the number. Uh, these are people who who said, no, I'm not going along with that. Right. I'm going to go away from it. I'm, I'm going to turn from it. And obviously have had a conversion experience, uh, whether it be with the angels or some other type of uh, experience. And they have been delivered up to heaven, and they are standing there with harps, singing songs of praise to God. Right. So that right there is proof is that, yes, even though there's going to be terrible judgment that happens during the tribulation, there will be saints that come through in this terrible time of, of history. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Dad, as uh, as we're going to continue on here with what we plan to talk about today, we're going to move into the final judgments, these bold judgments. And uh, there's seven of them, and we're going to just kind of walk through these. And the, the bold judgments really start uh, coming into play in, in chapter 16 of Revelation. But right before we get there, we just set the stage for what we're going to talk about. Again, John is seeing this vision in heaven, and he sees um, that there are seven angels, and these seven angels are given and seven golden bowls, and these bowls within them have the wrath of God, and these bowls are then going to be poured out upon the earth, and so that's what we're going to be talking about is the the bowl judgment. Now, sometimes you'll hear this referred to as the vile judgment, and vile and bowl uh, used interchangeably here. We're referring to it today as the bowl judgment. So we've got seven angels holding bowls that contain the wrath of God. Let's pick up and look at that first uh, bowl that's going to occur. This is 16, verse 1. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath on God, uh, the wrath of God on the earth. Verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon the men um, who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And so... Um, and this particular set of uh, scriptures, you know, this judgment, Dad, reminds me of the uh, plagues that were, were put on um, Egypt right. uh, back when the Israelites were, were um, under uh, persecution and, and, and slavery by the Egyptians. However, this judgment is going to be a little bit different than what we saw there uh, in Egypt, as it's going to be directed at the worshipers of the beast, those who have taken his mark and have uh, accepted him as a person that they need to bow down to and to worship 
worship. So this this particular plague is going to be aimed particularly at their idolatry. Now, I just want our listeners to imagine this. The text here says that there's going to be painful sores and boils that are going to be covering the entire body of almost the entire population of the world because, again, there's going to be only a select few that haven't taken this mark. So you're mm-hmm. talking about the mass majority of people are going to have these sores covering them that are in terrible, terrible pain. It will be constant pain with no relief. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that the sores go away. In fact, Revelation uh, chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, suggests that the sores may not go away because it talks about the pain was so bad that they chewed their own tongue. Mm -hmm. And so we see this first bowl is a terrible outpouring of, of God's judgment that results in sores and wounds being covered upon the ones who worship uh, the the beast and have taken his mark. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing strikes terror to a person's heart like the words, uh, I'm sorry, your biopsy shows malignancy. However, the malady that the first angel will pour out will cause such intense suffering that cancer will seem like a welcome relief mm-hmm. in comparison. You know, the rash mentioned could easily be caused by the tremendous amount of radioactive pollution that will be in the atmosphere, too. Yeah. Well, as we move on, we move right on into the second bowl judgment. Now, if you recall, with the blowing of the second trumpet, the waters were turned to blood, but only one-third of the sea creatures died. But listen to what happens with this second bowl being poured out. The Bible says in Revelation 16, 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every, every living creature in the sea died. In this second bowl judgment, all life in the sea is destroyed. Billions upon billions of sea creatures will die. The result is an unbearable stench throughout the entire world as these organisms decay. Because of this, the world's oceans will become thick, dark, and coagulated like the blood of a corpse. Think of it. That which symbolizes life. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and symbolizes salvation. For, 1 John 1.7, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses all sin, now becomes a symbol of condemnation and death. But wait, there's more. For the third vile judgment extends destruction to all bodies of water internationally. Revelation 16.4 says, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Now the rivers and springs became blood, just like the sea. This is particularly devastating because there will be no remaining fresh water sources. According to Exodus Chapter 7, verse 24, when God turned the Nile into blood, the people could not drink the water of the Nile. Psalm 78, 44 puts it this way. He, meaning God, turned their rivers into blood so that they could not drink of their streams. Now, people can live for a time without food, but they cannot live long without water. This will be uh, greatly, this will greatly increase people's suffering during the tribulation. Now, Revelation chapter 16, verses 5 and 6 says that after the pouring out of this third bowl, John writes, And I heard 
the angel of the waters, saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Now here, the angel affirms God's justice in inflicting this third bold judgment. He reveals that being forced to drink blood is an appropriate judgment for these Christ-rejecting unbelievers on earth. After all, they're responsible for shedding the blood of God's people and God's prophets. The punishment thus perfectly fits the crime. They took the lives of others, so their own lives were now being forfeit in judgment. Verse 7 goes on to say, And I heard another from the altar, saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, according to this particular verse, in verse 7, we find out that there is an angel, another one of the seven angels, that's speaking from the altar, and he's concurring that God's judgment on these Christ-rejecting sinners is right. Now, I want to remind you what is close to the altar of God in heaven during the tribulation. While you go back to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, I want to read that. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth. (laughs) And so we see right here, God is avenging the blood of those martyrs, those that would not receive the mark of the beast that were beheaded, that were persecuted unto death during the tribulation. God is avenging their blood. God is avenging the blood of all martyrs, Christian martyrs of all time. There are some people that are listening to this podcast that live in countries where to profess Jesus as Savior and Lord, you have to bear terrible persecution. As a matter of fact, even India, where we heard about this wonderful pastor that uh, has sent a shout out to us and encouraged us. You know, that's a country where Christians are persecuted. Christians are persecuted worldwide. And not so much in America when it comes to physical persecution, but I want you to know it's coming. God's going to avenge the blood of their martyrs. It's interesting that, like I said, the angel that's going to agree with this angel pouring out this third bowl is going to be another angel near the altar where these saints, these martyrs, are going to be stationed. He's just going to be affirming what the martyrs have been calling for. Mm. You know, just thinking about this in a practical sense, Dad, uh, all the waters turn to blood. Uh, all the inhabitants of the waters are going to die. Think about what that's going to do to the food supply, and that's what that's going to do to just the economy, being able to move around in, in this thick, bloody water. Ships aren't going to be able to make their way uh, to and fro. People who are suffering from the sores from that first bowl of judgment, they probably would like to run water over it, but there's not going to be any clean water. Right. You, you can't take a shower because it's going to be blood. You can't dig a well because it's going to be blood. Um, you know, there's going to be very little reserves of fresh water. All the bottled water in the stores and anything that you can save at your house is probably only going to last a few days, and then there's going to be no water, 
no front clean or fresh water that'll be available to anybody. It's a terrible, terrible thing to think about. You know, I know you're getting ready to talk about this fourth bowl judgment. Now, bear in mind, when Matt talks about this fourth bowl judgment, the water's not going to be fit to drink. Now listen to what's going to happen. Yeah, let's look at the fourth bowl, and that's Revelation chapter 16, verses 8. And I want to read the first part of verse 9 here. It says, Then the fourth angel poured out the bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat. All right. So in this verse, we see here the fourth bowl, that there is massive heating of the earth and burning of man that occurs. Now, Dad, I don't want to make light of the judgment, but this is the scripture that I use to support global warming. I like to tell people that I believe in global warming. It's not the left-wing stuff that the media tries to push, but I believe the Bible teaches right here that there's going to be global warming. There's going to be global heating, global burning, if you will. Uh, that we see here in Revelation, as as the sun is going to be permitted to scorch men with extreme heat. Now, when we looked at the trumpet judgments, we saw that the sun was actually darkened, and, and it caused the, the temperatures to decrease. But in this judgment, we see that the sun's going to be releasing all of its fury on, on earth and scorching men. Now, all of us have experienced heat waves. We lived in the south here, Dad. We know our fair share of, of high heat and humidity. Uh, and we've been through those times where there's been high heat index, and we've had people who were stricken with heat stroke and even had animals that died in the field because of, of the, the temperature. But this world has never seen a heat wave comparable to, to what is going to come here, as we see in Revelation. And to make matters worse, Dad, as you, as you mentioned, is we can't forget about the second and third bowls. There is going to be no water to cool their tongue. Right. No fresh water to cool their tongue. It's going to be blood. And so... Um, it's going to be a terrible time. You, you've got painful swords, you've got no clean water, and you've got excruciating heat coming from the sun that's going to burn the skin of those who have chosen not to believe. But I want to look further and, and see what we see here in these verses. And, and so let's read the, the back half of verse 9 here. Let's look at the response of men um, at this time. And so picking up on the second part, it says, And they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent. And give him glory. Now, this is shocking to me, Dad. Mm-hmm. Here we have uh, the men of earth, uh, the inhabitants of earth, those who have knowingly taken the mark of the beast and rejected God. They have come to the awareness that these plagues and all the things that are happening to them are the work of God. Right. But instead of them repenting, they refuse to repent and they blaspheme the name of God. Right. It's unreal. It's it's just unreal to me. But I've heard it said that if a man cannot be won by grace, then he'll never be won. Right. And there's no amount of wrath, there's no amount of hellfire that can cause them to change their mind. The inhabitants of earth had made their decision and their will was fixed and they would not repent. It's a very sad, sad scripture to see there. The no that this is the the God of all creation who's bringing upon this wrath and still refuse to turn from your wicked ways. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Dad, Dad, share with us what happens in that fifth bowl. Okay, the fifth bowl is told about in Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Now, this judgment of darkness is poured out on the Antichrist's actual throne or his capital, but extends to all his dominion. Now, whereas the fourth judgment 
produced unusual brightness through the scorching rays of the sun, this fifth bow unleashes darkness. This darkness is literal, as was the Egyptian plague described over in Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 and 22 and 23. Listen to what was described back during that time, during the time of Moses in the land of Egypt. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now this is a description of the ninth plague on Egypt. Now, in the Bible, darkness is associated with God's judgment. Now note Revelation chapter 16, verse 10 says that the people during this time of darkness gnawed their tongues because of their pain. A futile attempt to alleviate the pain from their sores, those loathsome sores resulting from the pouring out of the first bowl, as well as the pain brought about because of their intense heat resulting from the fierce heat as a result of the fourth bowl judgment and the fact that the water everywhere had turned to blood and could not be drank. But note that rather than repent, just like you said, at the end of this fifth judgment, here at the end of the sixth bowl judgment, rather than repent, these people blaspheme God as a sign of their continued loyalty to the Antichrist and their anger at God for their miseries. Now, Matt, tell us about the sixth bowl judgment. Yeah. So let's look over at uh, Revelation chapter 16, verse 12 now. And it says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Now, Dad, we got to talk about this one because this is a, a key thing that's going to be happening here. And we're going to be discussing really this in more detail in the in the next episode when we talk about the, the battle of Armageddon and the second return of, of Jesus Christ. But what's happening here in this is we see that as that angel pours out its bowl on the Euphrates River, which is a famous river that's been mentioned many times in Revelation and throughout the Bible. It's a large river, and it's going to be dried to the bone. Now, we've seen God dry water before, right? We saw that happen with the Israelites as they were fleeing from Egypt. Uh, God pushed back the water and let them walk across on dry land. And so, again, we see a drying of a river and allowing for uh, what it says, the kings of the east to cross. Now, what's happening here is God is still orchestrating everything. He's in control. He's got all of his his things uh, that are happening, and he's putting all things in the right position in order to uh, have the final plan carried out. And part of God's plan is that he wants these kings from the east to be able to move over and uh, they couldn't do that if the, the river Euphrates would divide them from right. getting over to the area that's known as Armageddon. And so with the river dry, that's going to allow these armies and their and their leaders to walk across dry land, drive across dry land as they march over uh, to the area known as Armageddon, where ultimately we're going to see the, the kind of final stage of the world play out. Now, again, we're going to be talking about the the Battle of Armageddon in, in our next podcast, so I'd encourage you to come back to learn a little bit more about that 
in the next time. Again, the drying up of this land will make it possible for the armies of the kings of the east to invade Palestine uh, or move into Palestine and invade the Holy Land. Now, Dad, I want us to look at the following verses because we learn a little bit more about how all of these pieces are going to be moved in together. So I want us to read Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 here. And it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of the God Almighty. So what we see here is what's referred to as the unholy trinity, right? Mm -hmm. We have um, the, the dragon, which is referred to Satan. We have the Antichrist, and we have the false prophet. And these uh, three, uh, really the two working energized by that of Satan, are able to do signs. They're able to do wonders. And they are going to use these signs and wonders to influence or persuade, or if you want to use the, the, the term deceive, the mm-hmm. kings of the world mm-hmm. to coming into battle and to marching and gathering uh, to really battle against God in this final battle mm-hmm. that's going to be in Armageddon. Again, I want you to stay tuned to learn a little bit about that uh, on our next lesson. Deb, before we move on to the the last, the seventh bowl uh, that's being poured out, we see that God actually gives uh, a warning, uh, one more warning to the inhabitants of the earth. And we see that in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. It says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And so right here we have, again, just uh, these words in my Bible are in red. That means that's the spoken word of of God, the spoken word of Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, speaking here, giving a warning to the inhabitants of the earth that, hey, he's coming back. Mm -hmm. He's going to come as a thief. He's going to come when no one knows it at any moment in time. It's going to happen. And so uh, one last warning before he pours out the seventh and final bowl of judgment. Now, what's that judgment look like? All right. The seventh judgment is told about in Revelation chapter 16, verses 17 through 21. I'm going to start out by reading verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Now the loud voice is no doubt from God himself. And God proclaims, It's done. Now this bowl judgment will at last complete God's wrath on the world. The original Greek carries the idea, It's now done and will remain done. God's wrath will now truly be over. Verse 18 goes on to say, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake has had not occurred since men were on the earth. This final earthquake is much like an exclamation point on the previous judgments. The most powerful earthquake in earth's history. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, what a powerful earthquake would happen if old Yellowstone was uh, to break forth in an eruption. But it's going to be the most powerful earthquake the earth has ever known. Now, we've read about a lot of earthquakes in Revelation, and they've been devastating, but this is going to be the most devastating. Verse 19 says, Now, the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And... Great Babylon 
was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Well, some scholars debate whether the great city, where it says now the great city was divided in three parts, is Jerusalem or Babylon. If it is Jerusalem, this verse would coincide with Zechariah 14.4, which predicts that an earthquake would change its topography. Now, the latter part of this verse actually singles out Babylon as the prime target of God's wrath. The destruction of Babylon is explained in great detail in Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18. But because of this great earthquake, the cities of the nations, not just Babylon, not just Jerusalem, but the cities of the nations fell. Now I want you to look at verse 20. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Now, the earthquake will radically alter earth's topography, preparing it for the millennial kingdom. I know in studying about all of these terrible, terrible destructions that's going to happen on earth during the tribulation, I thought to myself, well, what in the world, what kind of world will the people that live through the tribulation to come out on the other side of it and go into the millennium, those that are saved that actually live through the tribulation, and, and there's not going to be a great number of them compared to uh, society, but what kind of world would they live in? that has been devastated by all of this, but this great earthquake that is meant to shake the cities and destroy the cities of the world and to tear down Babylon, it is going to totally alter the earth and the mountains are going to fall. The, the islands will be swept away. God, even in his judgment, is preparing for a new world this time during the millennial reign, which we'll talk about when Jesus will come and reign up on the earth. But God will use this earthquake not only to change the world, but to destroy the things of this world that man has erected unto himself. Now, not only will the earthquake, this earthquake be valuable to do that, but God is going to send hail. And the hail that's going to fall from the sky is going to be the weight of a talent. Now, a talent back during the time of John was the heaviest weight a normal man could carry, which was about 75 pounds. Now, I remember a number of years ago in Lancaster, South Carolina, when my parents were living, that they had hail to fall in Lancaster. And the hail, they said, was the size of maybe golf balls or tennis balls. And how that hail just tore up uh, people's roofs. And I remember going out in their yard and seeing holes in the ground uh, that and my, my mom went out there and gathered up some of that hell because she didn't think her two sons would believe her when she told them about the size of the hell. And so she picked up that hell as it was beginning to melt and put it in Ziploc bags and put it in the freezer just to be able to get out and show me. It was immense hell. But, hey, that is nothing compared to hell that's going to weigh 75 pounds. What destruction. Such massive chunks will cause unimaginable destruction and death. And this is going to wrap up God's wrath. God's wrath. I'll tell you what, folks, I'm glad 
that uh, when Jesus returns in the air, I'm going up to be with him. I'm not going to be on this earth. Yeah, you might say, well, I'll be saved during the tribulation. Well, you might not be saved during the tribulation. You, If you have that attitude today, why, you just probably wind up believing the lie of the Antichrist, fall for that satanic delusion. But let's just suppose someone is saved during the tribulation. Yes, uh, saved for eternity, from eternal destruction in hell, but yet they will be down here while all of these destructions are going on. I'll tell you what, you need to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ today, Matt. That's exactly right. And, you know, we've looked at these judgments. These judgments are terrible, the the seal judgment, the, the trumpet judgment, and now the bowl judgment. Um, but we need to remember, as you said, Dad, is there's a way around this. Uh, right. God, this is not God's uh, really plan. This is not the way that he wants things to, to go uh, because he's he wants us to be in one with him and be in a relationship with him and accept his grace and his and his forgiveness. Uh, but he knows that not everyone's going to do that. Like we saw in the text here, there's still going to be those that are going to pound their fist and they're going to blaspheme God. Um, but he's been patient with us. And That's if right. you're listening to this podcast, he's been patient with you. If you haven't made a decision, the fact that you're still here and you're still listening to our podcast is God's grace being extended to you, that you have time to make a decision to, to choose Christ and you can avoid uh, just the disaster and the calamity and the pain and the suffering that will come about um, as these judgments are poured out upon the earth. So I would encourage you today to really uh, take a moment and to think about uh, in your heart um, if you really believe in Jesus Christ. And if you do, put your faith there, trust in him uh, for your salvation and turn from your sins, and uh, then you'll be able to avoid uh, this this terrible calamity that's going to come on the earth. Well, Dad, um, uh, we're going to wrap up our, our episode today. Uh, as we come back in uh, next time, we'll be talking about more of the end time events. We'll get there to the climactic end um, of, of the end times. Um, but I, I just ask if you pray for our listeners today um, mm-hmm. as, as we get ready to go. Pray that uh, this word will will seep into the heart and those that have not made a decision, uh, that, that they would make a decision before it's too late. That's right. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I just want to pray for the audience uh, that's listening to this podcast today. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to explain the scriptures in Revelation pertaining to this last part of Uh, God's wrath, the tribulation, the great tribulation. Now, Lord, I pray for those that are not yet ready to meet you. If Jesus were to come today in the air for the church, they wouldn't go up. I pray, dear God, that today that they would would, uh, realize what's going to happen, that they would repent of their sin, turn away from their sin. They would acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior, trust in him, because, Lord, we're thankful that you are, yes, we're talking about judgment that's to come, but, God, you're a God of mercy and a God of grace, and, Lord, you're extending people your grace and mercy through what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin and his resurrection to rescue them from sin and to save them for heaven. You're you're affording them that opportunity to be saved today. And God, if they go into the tribulation to experience these things, it won't be because you didn't offer them grace and mercy. It will be because they refuse to accept it. So God, I pray today that there will be people that will acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that will pray open up their mouth, talk to you, confess all their sins, ask you to forgive them and to come and live inside of them through the Spirit and change their heart and their life. And then, dear God, I pray that you would help
help them to have a passion to win others to our Lord and Savior, their children, their moms, their dads, their brothers and sisters that's lost, to try to get as many in the ark, so to speak, as they possibly can before uh, the judgment comes. I know that's what Noah did, and Lord, that's what we're to try to do too. Now, God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, O Lord. We love you, and we pray this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.